Well, uh, we had a great time on the last one, so we decided to do it again. It's Cue It Up with the Q Brothers. And uh, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm John Quattrucci and... And I'm Ralph Quattrucci. My older brother and mentor. He has mentored oh. me over the years. That's uh, no, that's not true. I can't even say that with a straight face. You really haven't. I but, mean, uh, video-wise, I think maybe. Not absolutely, like, video-wise. Absolutely. You got me hooked on video, uh, so that's true. So uh, we, we did this last week, and we actually got a lot of people watching it, and we got some uh, feedback that was pretty good. So we said, hey, why not do it again? And I just want to explain that this is a lot different than our other podcast, Yippee-Ki-Yay, my other podcast, which we all watch a movie, we all have to talk about the movie this is pretty unscripted unfiltered uh so it's kind of stream of consciousness so we're probably going to bounce around all over the place and last week what we really talked about was the evolution of the podcast how it got started so as i started to think about this one uh ralph i wanted to ask you uh you went to fitchburg state after high school you now a university if you now a university uh you went for Ah. you went for communications communications media Okay, so how did you go into that, from that to editing? Because that covers a lot. It's production, it's camera, it's in front, it's behind. But how did you, did you know you wanted to be an editor or did it evolve from that? Well, okay, so you know, and we know this, you, me, and Steve, and all the whole family started with dad. We're shooting right. all the time. Right, with the eight millimeter Kodak. Eight millimeter, yeah. dad had the first VHS yeah. pack camera in the neighborhood. 1980. We we we're shooting all the time, but I was going to high school to become a draftsman. I wanted to be an architect until I got to senior and realized that you have to know a little bit of math. <laughs> I can remember sitting down with dad and saying, this was December, December of my senior year saying, I don't think I can do this. I, I can't do math. I'm never going to make it. And he goes, Hmm, you know, you like to make movies. He said, why don't you look at the university that has television production or film production? And, and at that point, we were looking at Emerson. Oh, yeah. Well, very expensive, very yeah. hoity-toity. Yeah. Um, couldn't afford that. And then found Fitchburg State College had a communications media track. And I applied for it. And wait a minute. So, so wait a minute. Wait. De- December of your senior year, you wanted to be an architect. So by that time, you have to pick schools. It was very Did late. You- did you pick any schools yet? I hadn't at that point. Maybe, maybe it wasn't quite December. I just, I just know that it was Maybe late. you had a block about it and you knew you and didn't And I it. just knew that I couldn't do the math. And no, I did not know that. Dad came up with the communications. Dad's the one who said, know you know, that. you like making films. Why don't you look into a school that does that? Boom. Fitchburg State College. State school. We could afford it. I could afford it because I had to pay the whole thing. Remember, I got that giant scholarship from the Sons of Italy. Yeah. How much was that? That was two fifty. Two fifty, and, and then a hundred from Roxy's, the grocery store I worked at <laughs> as a bag boy. So I was on my way. Uh, luckily, Fitchburg was very affordable at the time. We could take out lo- loans. You know, I forget the percentage, but you know, it was easy to do. Not easy, but you know, I worked the whole time. Anyway, long story. Uh, and short. it wasn't crazy. It wasn't crazy tuition. No, because it was a state school. I think all in all four years, bachelor's degree, seventy five hundred dollars. <laughs> Okay, I feel that's why I feel terrible for the kids now because it's yeah, that's books now. Yeah, so I knew going in that I wanted to edit from the minute I walked in. From the minute I walked into school, I knew I was going to edit. Why? I don't. I, didn't I even just. Know. I just knew it. It was a strange thing. Any any project we ever did, whether I directed the project or somebody else directed the project, I was always editing the project. Always. You know, I remember I was cutting Super Eight film. Yeah, I do remember that. With VHS, the little the viola VHS. we had. Remember that yeah, little We were viola? doing all that stuff. So yeah. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I spent four years. I cut everything I could get my hands on. I cut every project. Got an internship. I'll never forget this. At a production company in Dedham called Videocom. I can't believe I'm remembering that. I walk in with my suit and my nice tie. And I said, that's where I want to work. I want to work in that edit suite. They go, that's nice. Go paint the stage. And by the way, coffee's at noon. And you got, you know. Typical internship. Turns out I had a great internship there because I didn't edit one thing. And what I did is I just worked with everybody, directors, and I, I actually drove trucks to shoots. So I got to see how directors work. And I would sit in on the edits while they did it. Absorbed all that stuff. So by the time I left there, actually, I left there and I was freelance driving trucks to shoots. And I knew I didn't want to do that. To me, that was like moving every day twice. 
twice a day. Move it in, move it out. Oh my god, it was awful. What you had to unhaul? You had to uh, take all the equipment, and everything out. You I was just... driving the truck with all the lights. Oh my god, everything. No, but I got to work with Aerosmith. I mean, yeah. I had a great time. It was all. It was awesome. Did some project music videos, commercials. That's where that little Tammy Devereaux, the woman who was in ET, the little little person who was in ET's costume. Oh, oh in the costume. I met her and she sent me a love letter. Fell in love with me because I built her a little tricycle. That's my that's my one celebrity crush. Wait, ring the bell. Oh yeah, camera three. <laughs> Emmy Devereaux. I actually have the letter somewhere. Really cute. I mean, she was adorable, and like a little beach ball with arms. I mean, she could, she could barely walk. But I had to build her a tricycle. <laughs> built her a tricycle. She was literally the one that was in ET when he waddled down the uh, the alien ship. Yeah. So that was my one celebrity crush that met me there. Anyway, long story short, John Cassenzi, who you know is my friend now for 30 years, who was on the Young Frankenstein podcast, called back to Fitchburg State and said they wanted to, they needed an assistant editor to work in Silver Spring, Maryland. And my internship director called me. First one he thought of was me. And as soon as he called me, I said, I'm in. Didn't even think about it. I mean, I had to go down and do an interview, which I did. I met John's boss. John's boss had worked all night. We couldn't meet in the office, so my interview was in the back of the Lincoln Continental, and they hired they hired me they on made the spot. You, they made you an offer you couldn't. And that was almost it. yeah, exactly. And that was thirty five years ago. Wow! And as soon as I walked in there, I knew all I wanted to do was edit, edit, edit. And you know, you start off slow because you're an assistant editor. You're waiting for the editor to die or get another job, which both of those things happened. Um, and I ended up editing, and I'm still doing it thirty five years later, and. And you, you, you moved there and never came back. I never came back. So, okay. So now I've worked, you know, I, did, I had a few families while I was here, so it's hard for me to go back, but that's a whole nother podcast. Another podcast. So, Sorry. Yeah. That's some yeah. other time. Yeah. Yep. I want to stick with this editing. So, okay. okay. So now I worked with you. It was uh, let's see, I went corporate 99. We shot a video, the first video I ever made for the company I worked for in 99. And at the time you had this giant, the room, the editing room was gigantic with this giant board. What was that board called? What was the board that you edited it on? It was well, called a, uh, well, we had, we had switchers. So it was a grass Valley switcher. You're probably thinking of the Opus. Yes. No, that's, that's the sound, right? That's the audio. Yeah, I know that. No, yeah, those no were I remember that. Of, those were the days of million dollar edit suites. Yes. Those were, the rock, those were the rock star days for guys like me because we had to run those things. And it was a select few people that could actually run those rooms. And I was one of those people. Those days and, are gone, gone. But that gone. was component. Well, yes. Right? We were the first company in D.C. to do what's called component editing. It's supposed to be cleaner than what was NTSC editing. It right. doesn't matter anymore. Everything's HD now. But yes, big expensive edit suites. We were shooting analog. I don't know right. how we get anything done back in those days. We'd spend forever and we'd spend a lot of time in those edit suites. I don't know if you remember. I do. Well, uh, we used to do overnighters. And then we'd finish the whole edit and then we got to do outtakes at the end, which I hated. <laughs> he Jesus, hates them because it was the highlight of the videos. Everybody, everybody loved the outtakes. I just, but it's, you know, you, you work it, all that time. I and go, okay, all we got to do now is outtakes. Oh, and we still got them. So here, here's my question. Here's what I wanted to ask you. So, so we used to be in this gigantic room that looked like the Starship Enterprise right. bridge. Now you're editing on a Mac. Right. How, how different is that? How much easier is it? Is it any easier than doing all that other stuff? Can you do it? Like the editing process, is it faster now because everything's digital it's, and on the Macs? It's an interesting question. Um, and I could get in trouble for saying this, but back in those days, because the edit suites were so expensive to rent, so what producers would do is they would pay a certain amount of money, like a cab ride. And back in those days, depending on the equipment, they were spending six, seven, eight hundred dollars an hour just to sit in that room and edit. So what would happen is they'd have to be super prepared when they came in. They'd have to know exactly what they want, where they want it. Now, with the advent of what's going on with all this cheap and remember, digital storage, when it first came out, was $5,000 for right. nine gigs of storage, right? So right. now that's all done. Right. So now what happens is everybody just fills the drives up with everything they have. And what we've lost, I think, a little bit of, and I took an editing class with Ralph Rosenblum in Maine. I don't know if I ever told you this. Ralph Rosenblum edited uh, Sleeper and some of Woody Allen's early movies, Annie Hall. Oh, really? And... I took a class where nine different groups 
were taking an editing class. And this is before uh, random access editing. As a matter of fact, the, the thing we were testing was Lucas's edit droid he built, which was 18 beta deck, beta cam, or beta, not even beta cam, beta max machines that you would spin this thing and it would figure out which scene was closest. Everything had the same footage on there. And the computer would figure out which scene was closest to the numbers you were finding. It would fill up that. It was the, the start of random access editing. Anyway, so we were learning that. So what happened is the directing crew would go out and direct the scene and they bring it back to the editors and we'd all cut the scene. I happened to be in a group with the kind of editing that I did, which was called online editing, finishing editing. So that's, we would, we would, somebody would do the, the rough cut. And then when they want to put it all together, they come to me and I put it together. So we're used to just getting things in and slamming through it and getting it done. So these scenes come in and Rosenblum is like, whoa, slow down. You have to watch every scene as it comes in. And that's what you would do in the old, somebody would have looked at all that stuff before they even walked in your room. Now everybody's multitasking and doing all kinds of stuff that everything just gets poured in and we all have to figure out uh, which scene we want when we want it. Now what we've lost a little bit. Now in those days, everything was on analog reel to reel tapes, even the right. video. And there'd be times in the edit suite that you'd be rewinding a, a machine and you go, Oh, that's a cool shot. We didn't use that shot. Let's go back and get that shot. Now with all this digital stuff, part of me feels like we're missing things because it's just so much information that you can't. And if you're not, if somebody doesn't log everything and get, and, 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 and like I said, nobody has time anymore because everybody's multitasking. So it's easier to put the stuff together now. I'm not sure it's better is my That's point. That's interesting. Because right, I'll tell you, and I think I've, I know I've told you this before. I always thought that the director is the most important person because they're the ones who are shooting it. They're the ones that give you what you need to put together. And I always thought that that's the most important thing. Then as I started to do these things with you and cause I, I I'm, and this is, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm saying this, but I never looked at editing as creative. Sure. I never looked at it as creative because I never saw it from your point of view. Right. Then I saw there was a couple, and it's, we're talking about commercial training videos. We're not talking about film. Right. But I remember that I, some stuff got screwed up. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, well, how the hell are we going to fix this? There's no way to fix it. We don't have the coverage. We don't have the shot. And through editing, mm-hmm. you were able to correct the problem without having the stuff that I should have shot. You know what I mean? So yeah. from that perspective, like, okay, now that, that is really creative. Cause here's the thing. Everybody edits now, right? Yeah. Everybody has a laptop. The software is real user friendly. Yeah. Everybody can edit. But when someone who knows how to edit really knows the creative end of editing, it's a completely different animal than splicing stuff together. Right. Of course. And yeah. like anything, everybody can be good at everything. And it's easier to do this stuff. Kids are walking out of school, high school, with movies that you could never dream of back when right. we were putting it together. But the one other thing Rosenblum told me is that there's good directors and there's really good directors and there's really bad directors, right? So a good director only gives you the amount of footage he needs to edit. If there's a director that doesn't know what he wants, that's when you get all the different coverages and you get different angles and you get different stuff. Nowadays, you see with these, like Tony Scott just loads his stuff with information. And he, liked, he, he, enjoyed, he enjoyed doing that because he liked that process of trying all kinds of different shots. But yeah, I mean, it is about solving that problem that you think can't be solved. That's what makes right. it interesting. But you can, and, completely, you can completely change a movie. Like I keep reading of certain course. movies that because of the editor, scenes got moved sure. from where the director originally wanted them and it completely changed the structure of the film. Yeah. That's not just cutting pieces together. No, That's- no, and they'll remember a scene. Like I was just watching some, I, I watch director's tracks, listen to them all the time, director's tracks. And I w- just watched a movie recently where the director said, yeah, that scene was shot for something completely, oh, it was um, a bar scene. Oh, I can't remember the movie. I'm sorry. Every time I get on camera, I forget this. <laughs> but anyway, they shot something for a scene that was supposed to happen later. Okay. And they realize that if they put it together with the scene that they shot that's supposed to be in this club, it'll connect the story better. Even though it had nothing, it was a completely different scene that was supposed to happen 20 minutes later. But just by marrying some sound and having some sound overlap, they made it feel like it all happened at the same time, even though that's not the way they shot it originally, and it made the film better. 
And they do that all the time. And a good editor will. And Rosenblum, that's the whole point. He changed Annie Hall to a comedy. Annie Hall well, wasn't was a comedy a originally. That's right. He wrote a great book, which he signed for me from Ralph to Ralph called When I the Shooting Begins, the, bells the Editing Starts. What's I think that? you should ring the bell. You should that's ring the a bell. Big for one. That, that's, yeah, there you go. He was great. I had a great time with him. Uh, I think it's called When the Shooting Starts, the Editing Begins. And he, he turned, and he did, I don't know if you've seen The Pawnbroker with Rod Steiger. No. That's, that's one of his big edits that he did. It's about a Holocaust survivor and how he was affected after the fact. And Annie Hall was supposed to be a serious film that he, by injecting some of that stuff that he did, and music, he changed the music a little bit. He turned it into the classic that it is. Even though it's Woody Allen, you know, still enjoy that film. So what movie, what movies do you watch? Because, again, uh, you know, I, I watch movies. I know what you're going to ask. I know. I don't. I don't. Like you, never, ask, you never go, that was well edited. No, the only thing you say is, Jesus, that was really badly edited. Like so, you bad noticed, edit. so you know it is bad edits. But right. I'm not even talking about continuity errors, things like that, because you can get away no, with I'm a lot. No, I'm not even talking about that. Like, I've always like, said, here's my famous quote, continuity is overrated. You can get away with anything if you cut it properly. No, I notice I don't go to films to just get off on the editing. I just can't. I just don't no, want to do but, that. I no, want to separate but, myself. Well, right. But, but like, can't you watch a movie more than once and the first time you watch it for entertainment, next time you watch it, you might look at it a little differently and say the way it was cut. I don't know. Like Quentin Tarantino, doesn't he use the same editor in every movie? Well, when, yes. So why? Why does he use the same one every time? What is it about well, that editor? Trust. It's trust. And um, um, Walter Murch. Another great writer, another great editor who wrote some great books on editing uh, called In the Blink of the Eye is one of his books. You know, they get off on, they're getting into all the minutia of what it means when you make, when to make the cut, what a cut means, um, the emotion that a cut, right. I mean, you know, I mean, yep. you know, a, a good cut is a, a, just a cut, forget a transition dissolved, a good edit with some music happening is emotional. And I just want to shut my brain off. I don't want to, like, it's, the problem I had is when I discovered, when I realized I'm going to go into television, I learned all the secrets. And I'll never forget when I realized that in the news, when they put that box up, how that happened, how that actually happened. It just, now nothing, it wasn't fun anymore. I knew the tricks behind the trade. So when I go to movies, I don't want to, I just want to let myself go. Now, do I appreciate it? If it's, if it's done well, yes. Especially, you really notice it if it's done poorly. So that's when it really stands. That's when it really stands out for you. Yeah, bad editing. Bad editing. Why would they make that choice? Yeah, and I always think I'm better than everybody. Right. Well, that's <laughs> it anyway. So there's, yeah. and that's not. I mean, obviously, that's not true. But it's the only way I can keep going after 35 years. And when so, I start a big show, it's it's a funny thing. It's this thing I do where because when you start a show or an edit or a movie, it's overwhelming the amount of footage you have to start with. Right. And, and it's always that frightening beginning where it's like, I'm never going to get this done. There's no way I'm going to get this thing finished. And um, I always pick one edit somewhere in the show. I don't care where it is. It could be 40 minutes in, 20 minutes in. Just one edit I know is going to happen. Whether it's a fish leaping out of the water and I make sure that whatever the cut is that I know is going to work. If I start with that, then I work everything off left and right from that. And it gets me going because there's that frightening beginning where you're just like, I can't get this thing done. There's a great documentary done by Keanu Reeves. How do I say his name? Keanu Reeves. That's right. Keanu Reeves. Just say John. Side by side. I don't know if you've ever seen Side by Side. No. Oh, wait a minute. What it is, it's a show about uh, traditional filmmaking versus digital filmmaking. Digital. But they do a whole primer on editing, how editing changed technically with the advent of computers and the way Avid changed the world and the way disk drives changed the world. And it's a very, very good documentary, not only about the digital, how people change their shooting habits using digital, but also the editing side of it too. Um, Do you know, you know it's directors? a little disheartening to see a kid come out of high school and use his iPhone and create a movie that could be shown in a movie theater. I mean, you know, it's, it's a constant battle of, can I keep up? Am I going to be too old to be hip and be able to cut, you know, music yeah, you, videos I mean, or whatever? Yeah, well, your years of experience make a difference, right? That's what we so. keep saying. That's what we keep saying. But frankly, it comes down to money. I was telling you last week on the podcast, I think, or maybe last, the last time we talked, that I feel like a plumber. 
that I'm a day worker. And it's and on one hand, it's good because when all else fails, I can call people up and say, hey, you need, I need a job for two days and I can always be working. But there is that feeling of day work labor thing. Yeah. Um, well, and the reality is a lot of, like a lot of companies that would farm this stuff out now do everything in house because they don't need, they don't that need. That was a big, big yeah. You know, I'm in DC. So we did a ton of political work. Yeah. And you made some bank during political season. Same with Discovery Channel. Discovery Channel came into DC and the edit houses were salivating trying to get their work because you'd make money, money, money. Until they realized, hmm, if we buy our own equipment, we can do this in-house. That's what everybody's doing now. Political, political ad agencies all have their own equipment because you can buy a right. full computer that can do anything you want for right. $5,000. Right, buy yourself so, a little studio, green screens. So the, uh, the financial stuff has changed the, 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 changed the uh, ground. You know, it's changed it a little bit. It's made it a little harder to be able to make some good money. Um, but if, you know, I've been doing it 35 years. I'm still going. Luckily, I have a job at National Geographic. Love what I'm doing. Good mix of stuff. I do a little original work. I do some other. You, you know, do directing too, right? Um, I have directed in the past. Yeah. I, mean, I had my own production company for a while there, which was fantastic. So I would direct my own work that I would then edit. And I never shot enough stuff for my edit. Never enough. <laughs> well, doesn't Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood only takes, uh, he only He's shoots what take. he needs. Right. Yeah. He but doesn't again, shoot a lot of filler. That's some confidence to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and, and I did a lot of work where I was a post supervisor as well, where people would bring me on the set to make sure that they shot what they needed. And I was always blown away by directors who couldn't figure out um, not only camera angles, but um, there's a screen direction was always a problem for people. They couldn't visualize what screen direction means. Cause you know, if you shoot something, that's what I mean by bad editing. If you, you can see something that's not edited properly especially if it's not shot right and continuity becomes an issue. Screen direction becomes an issue. Um, obviously things can be flipped around. Like when you watch run Lola run that we did, y you can get away with anything if the story's good. Right. And that's the beauty of this stuff. So anyway, enough about me. Well, that was interesting. I mean, I, I what is uh, your some of the stuff? Tell me some of the stuff I didn't even know well, about you. you go. Like Pretty dad. Fun. I didn't know that was dad. Uh, yeah. That's I'll amazing. Forget that. And, yeah. you know, you and I have been doing this right up until COVID, you know, yeah. kind of screwed things up that we were, we were talking about doing more of those training videos. Yep. Yep. And, you know, um, some of those are pretty big and we had a great time doing that. So, yeah, yeah. they were fun. It was, yeah. uh, it, some of them were major productions, which was they great. They really were. Yeah. So your, your life story, because you went to Hollywood for a while. Yeah. Here's yeah, some of this. I went to How Hollywood. How did that happen? And what happened? Okay. Well, uh, so... I, I mentioned this on the last one, but you know, I've been acting since I was in the fifth grade. I had the lead in Fiddle on the Roof in fifth grade. Which I shot. That's right. You did. Now imagine Tevya with uh, that high pitched voice. But uh, so I did plays all up through uh, junior high and high school. Then I did some dinner theater. So I knew probably in junior high that I was going to go out in California and become a big star. And I didn't want to do plays, even though that's all I did for the most part, because, uh, I knew movies and TV were for me, not, not the stage. So after college, I went to college for a year and a half just to work with the director. I didn't even want to go, but uh, my high school uh, teacher told me you should work with this guy and he was great. And then I moved out to California and it was, uh, you know, so I always had leads and I did a lot of uh, musicals and I like to think I was, I was good. And that's not I mean, why you were, I mean, at home. Yeah, at home. Right. I was good. I was a good actor, uh, and I did some some great parts. Yeah, well reviewed uh, too, right? Well yeah, reviewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but when I went out there, you go out there thinking, oh, all I got to do is see an agent. And they're gonna see how good I am, and then it's all great. Well, what happens is you go to an agent, and they won't get you. Uh, you can't get an agent without having work, and you can't get work without an agent. So the first thing they say to me is, well, this. Quatrucci, what is that? We got to change that. Uh, what else? What else can you? Use? So my uncle's name is Vidal, so I was going to be John Vidal, and then I was like, no, I don't want to be John Vidal. I'm in this to be John Quatrucci. I want people to know who I am. And the other problem I had was I had these headshots, and this is how naive I am. So the guy I have do the headshots, and Ralph will laugh at this, was Dom Tessicini. <laughs> 
Yeah, no who, wonder. Who did our prom pictures in our high school? Pictures. He took the high school pictures. These right? were awful, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give Ralph a couple of show because they're awful. Okay, I'll show during this. So I show up with this stupid headshot, and the problem was I wasn't a leading man, but I wasn't like a character looking at that age, right? I wasn't too tall. I wasn't too fat. I wasn't old, you know, so I was somewhere in between and there was just nothing. So I ended up, I ended up uh, auditioning for a game show and I made it to three auditions, but I never made it to what, the As end. a contestant or as, as a, a contestant? Yeah. Cause you get your union card that way. <laughs> yeah. It was a charades game. And I actually was the, the problem was on the last day they stuck me with this brain dead zombie and I'm good at charades and they weren't getting anything that I was doing. No. So it was just, it was just a nightmare. So so I end up, when I was in high school, I worked at McDonald's. So I'm out in California with a buddy of mine. I'm 19 years old. Uh, I got no money coming in. I'm not going to get any acting roles. I don't know what to do. So I go apply at McDonald's. So I end up uh, on Harbor Boulevard, if you know California. Harbor Boulevard is uh, the same street that Disneyland is on. So I worked about five miles from Disneyland. And I didn't tell him I had worked at a McDonald's before. So I'm in there. I'll never forget this. I'm in there. And now we're, we're cooking burgers and we're putting, uh, it's called a 12 six, which is 12 hamburgers and six Big Macs. So there's 24 pieces of beef on the grill and I'm whipping through it. Like I've been doing this for years and the guy is so impressed. So he comes out to me the next day. He goes, Hey John, I, uh, I'm really impressed with your work. I want you to know that, uh, I was making two fifteen an hour. I'm going to give you a quarter raise. Okay. <laughs> By the way, a quarter raise is like $50,000. So, uh, so the problem was this. What do you mean a quarter? What do you mean a quarter raise is fifty thousand dollars? A quarter you. when you're making two dollars and fifteen cents, a quarter yeah. raise is a gigantic deal. Okay, so, so you're up to what? Two, you're up to what? Two four. right? But to him, it was like right. This is how much we this like guy's you. great. I'm going to give him twenty. Well, I'm laughing. Cents. It was fine. Wow. But but the problem was that <laughs> as much as I wanted it, I didn't want it bad enough to starve. Yeah. to do everything I needed to do. I, I just wasn't. And frankly, I miss being home too much. So I only stayed out there for about two years. I came back home. I ended up working retail uh, for a company called Service Merchandise. Some of you might remember it, Catalog Showroom. You had to be explained how to shop. Um, uh, but I, So I ended up coming back and doing plays again, which was fine. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then my, my life took a completely different direction. I was asked at my company, they were looking for a national trainer something I'd never done before. But I looked at it as kind of performance art, right? I'm like, it's just getting up in front of people. So they had, they had people, contestants, make a training video and send it into them. So uh, my store manager, God bless his soul, let me have an overnighter. And I did this Steven Spielberg production that was unbelievable. You know, I had everybody freeze and then I would turn to the camera and start talking. It was hilarious. So uh, my, the guy who, the, a guy calls me and says, we saw your video. We'd like you to come in for an interview. So I went into Nashville and I, I met this guy who actually became my business partner. And uh, the first thing he had me do was watch a video that he made. <laughs> and it literally was him standing in front of a camcorder shouting at the screen for almost two hours. It was, it was unbelievable. Right. So I'm sitting there in a big table with a bunch of people and they're, you know, they're deciding if they're going to offer me the job. And he says to me, uh, so John, what'd you, uh, what'd you think of my video? Like that. So what's going through my head is well, I could tell him the truth or I could lie to get the job. Right. So I said, I didn't care if I got it or not. I loved what I was doing. So it didn't matter to me. So I said, you know, if I were you, I wouldn't quit my day job. Just like that. And he turns to the other guy. If this guy's got this kind of balls now, I should just hire him right now. Well, he ended oh up hiring me. Now, and wait, back up. But yeah. no, no. Okay. Remember Burt Lancaster in Field of Dreams? Yeah. And there's a big speech about him giving up when he walks off and they say to him, well, you could have been a boy. He goes, you know what, son, I wouldn't trade what I'm doing now for that. Now do you have, I've been with you. I've been with you. And if you see a guy, like I remember at Nat stadium, the guy that does the, the MC that runs around the crowd and you're like, Jesus, that guy gets that. I know job what you're going to ask me. And no, I am not Burt Lancaster. And I don't think, yeah, this is, this was perfect for me because every time I see some clown on TV, I go, that guy's on TV and I'm not. That's exactly what I, I think. So I, okay. So, so it's a rip. My life took a much different direction than I, I wanted it to. Uh, I always, 
always wanted to be a performer. Now, right. the only thing that And you saved, perform everywhere, by the way. Well, it's that's, not just when the camera's plus, on. So. Look, I, I have probably been... So my job was going around the country doing training seminars. And I don't know, I did it for 25 years. So I spoke to, I don't know, half a million people. And yeah. every time I did it, it was a performance. That's what it was. That's how I looked yeah. at it. It was... It was uh, 50% training material, 50% entertainment. That's how I right. approached it because if I was going to sit through it, this is what I would want to yeah, watch. And you're, and you're fearless. Like I could never do what you do. And obviously that's why I sit in a dark edit suite and stay in my, I mean, well, I like, listen, I like a little bit of this, Yeah. This, but I could ne- I don't have the stones to get up there and not care what anybody thinks, which is the only way you can do what you do. Yeah. I've, been I, at your, I've been at your things, your training, and I'm always surprised and how the crowd always gets behind you, always. Yeah, well, because it amazes me. It amazes me. It's I'm very and the thing they say, Look, the biggest. I'm a little jealous because I don't know how you do it. And no, that's it. not true. I've seen you get up in front of people, so don't even. I mean, I've. Now, seen you're it. effortless. It's effortless. You got to drink a little bit, though. I mean, that's the only thing. Perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it's never been a thing for me. I've never had an issue getting up in front of people ever. Yeah. And I don't get nervous. I don't get the knots. I'm, like I know I've worked with a lot of actors who are terrified before they go on. The only time I ever got a lump in my throat. So my senior year in high school, we did Greece and I had the lead in Greece and Greece was huge, right? Everybody knew it. So this was 1980, the, it was 81. Mm. And uh, I rem- we had a thousand seat auditorium and we never sold out shows. So the curtain opens and every seat is full and there are people standing in the aisles and I'd never been in front of a group that big. That was the only time I went like gulp. And then once it gets started, it's yeah, like, okay, then you're like feeding. There's nothing. I can't even describe to people. People say, how can you get up and do it? You have no idea what it's like. And you don't get this in film or TV. When you're, when you're doing something right and the audience goes nuts when a thousand people are laughing at some joke you just said or your delivery, there's like nothing like it. There's I can't even imagine. I mean, it's, I'm so jealous when I see that happen because you just know. I just that feeling has got to be unbelievable. It has to be. It is like crack. It's like crack. That's it what is. It's like a drug, and you want to do politicians. It. That politicians yeah. need that. Yeah. That feedback. And I so, and I love it. And people, you know, people say, "Well, I I can't watch myself. I get sick." Not me. I have no problem watching myself. In fact, I, I try to be, it. I do try to be objective when I watch it. And I watch some stuff I do and I'm like, oh, that was awful. Why do they do that? But like, like you talked about bad editing, right? I can watch a movie or TV and I never sit there and rip apart the acting, you know, having done acting. And I don't even, you know, I, I did play acting, so it's not the same. But when I watch plays, I'm a very tough I have a tough time watching plays, hmm. some plays, because I go, well, why did they do that? Like I saw Matthew Broderick, who did How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which I did. And I had the same role. But he did it. He did every voice he did was like this. And I kept thinking to myself, why did he do that? It just doesn't work. And, I'm, and as I'm saying this, he's on Broadway right. doing this. And I'm right. sitting in the balcony watching him, and I'm picking on his performance. It's right. kind of stupid, but I'm not well, a good audience. For play. Like, I, I swear to God, I could cut any film that I see it in, in Hollywood. And I've done some independent features that are not, nobody knows about them, but they're still movies. I swear I could cut a film in my sleep. Um, and we all do that. You have to. Otherwise, what's the point? You'd stop. You know, you got to, if I didn't, if I weren't always reaching for the ring, what's yeah. the point of doing this? I still like what I do. I still yeah. cut slideshows for family stuff. I still, I take as much work. Any kid comes up to me and says, is looking for advice and I may, you may feel the same way about acting. It's cut whatever you can get your hands on. Just do it. Practice it. Get software is cheap. Now you can get yeah. software for it's free. Not, software is free. Da Vinci resolve. One of the best software yeah. edit programs out there. You can get for free, fully loaded and you can cut anything you want. And now with the phones, plenty of footage, I'm still doing it. I'm still going back and, well, the, quali- the quality of the video is too, you know, on these phones now, it's unbelievable yeah. what you can shoot with them. And like drones, said, the stuff right. you can do with drones now. And I love that. I mean, I, you know, I, I edit, but, you know, I always call up Ralph because I'm like, Ralph, I don't know what to do here. I, you know, a lot of the stuff's intuitive, but there's some stuff that takes some nuance. That, yeah, that- but the, the thrill for me is when you get in a situation like you were talking about earlier, there's no way you can edit out of this thing. Right. Like, I didn't shoot this right. 
Right. And there's something that happens and you figure it out. And it's such a great feeling to solve that problem. It's so ridiculous because nobody cares about this stuff except for us. But when you solve that problem and you come up with something that nobody thought you could do. Right. Greatest feeling in the world. Yeah, to me, that's, that's the creative side of editing. Right. That I don't know how, don't. but anyway, so there's a story. I don't know if yeah. you want to get into this. The, the time life cruise we were on. Um, you could probably tell it better than I can, but I, yeah. uh, okay. I so, tell this story because it's sort of indicative. It's kind of hurtful. Little, well, there's two lie. things that happened on that. We both got kind of put in our place on that. And I'll tell you well, my other story. You got story. put in your place from Chubby Checker. Chubby Checker. Okay. So we're okay. on a 50s cruise. Uh, it's a time life cruise where they've got all these big 50s stars. Uh, you know, Beach Boys were there, Chubby Checker, Little Anthony Imperials. So and I was uh, my production Ralph, company was doing the behind the scenes. They were filming for a, a, a CD that after you go on this trip, you would get and they use it as a promo thing. So my goal, because Ralph and I had been doing all these commercial videos, once his Time Life crew spend some time with me, they're going to be overwhelmed by my talent and my personality that they're going to say to Ralph, well, I was trying to get you an in for any infomercial I worked on. I put you in one of them, the songbird. You did, but I was too young for it. The too songbird. Young. So I was always trying to get John and to, in his infomercials. He, he did. To Ralph's credit, he did. He, he, he really talked it up. So one night we're in a lounge, and we're on this big wraparound couch. Ralph and a couple of the ladies from Time Life are on one end, and I'm on the other end. But what he doesn't know is I can hear everything they're saying. So Ralph acting as my agent, what do you think? You think we could get something for my brother? You know, he, he's good. He's good. And the girl says to him, not with that face. <laughs> and I'm just like, in other words, and by the way, my face looks, you know, my face fills the screen back then. It filled it even more. Yeah, it was, it was, you were, I heard yeah. this. Now, Ralph doesn't know I heard this. <laughs> and I'm like, my heart just goes down to my floor, down to my feet, because I'm so depressed about it. So I don't know. A little bit later on, I said, "So Ralph, uh, not with this face." And you should have seen the look on his face because now he realized I heard. He goes, "I know, John. I feel so bad." But yeah, I so, got some laughs out of it about two weeks. Nothing ago. Nothing happened I, with time. I, I, I got in touch with the woman who actually said that recently. Recently, two yeah. two weeks ago, and I reminded her. And we, I mean, you know, in hindsight, I mean, looking back, it's pretty. It was pretty funny. It was hurtful. It was devastating, devastating for you. But for me, funny. but but I but you know, I was, I was I was legitimately pushing you. I wasn't I know, listen, doing it. I wasn't as mad a joke. at you. <laughs> I was not mad at you because you but were. It had to have been. It, there had to have been jokes around that because there's no way she would. There's no way that just. No, came no, there was no jokes it, around that. No, 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 no. See, well, those that people just, are pretty quick to judge actors, just, I guess. Well, and if I you're going to be an actor, I guess that's the other thing you told me. Like you would go into these things and they'd be like, ah, too short, ah, too ethnic, ah, not ethnic enough. Ah, no. Yeah, so you don't even get a chance to show what you can do. That's the one thing about stage that's better than movies and TVs because movies and TVs really are about looks before anything else, yeah. for the most part. Not all, but for the most yeah. part. But to even get in the door, you know, they're looking at 100 pictures. Right. You don't even get in the door just based on your, unless they like your picture. So, right. th you know, that's tough. Now, I always felt like if I got the chance to show what I could do, I think I could get something, but I never got that chance. And like I, like I said earlier, the truth is, I, I guess I didn't want it bad enough. I wasn't willing to do anything. Well, well, and that's, you know, so oh, are you still there, Ralph? You look a little frozen. I'm frozen. You, can you see are me? frozen, but that's not, okay. That's good. Hey, camera three. Camera three. I guess, my, I guess my uh, DSLR went down. Ralph, can you can you fix that in post? I can. If you give me a second, I'll turn this thing back on, and there then we go. will. Uh, I'll just edit it. Do the battery die? It. it just. I think it's the battery. Yeah, I have it plugged in. It's not a battery thing, but let me see. I can. So edit while this. he's doing that, I'm going to prep this next story. So, so Ralph and his crew are filming, and they're filming all the. Oh, don't do this because I mean, I guess you're going to do this while I'm. Yeah, while you. I might as well. I'm going to tee it up for everybody. Okay. So. Uh, so they're filming everything on the boat, including all the concerts. So Ralph was nice enough because I had my DSLR. And because of the room I got, I was in the second row of every concert. So I had my own video camera in the front row. So I was doing a lot of filming. So he gave me an earpiece so I could hear the conversation <laughs> going, going on with everybody. So Chubby Checker was a performer there. Now, 
First thing about let me let me back this up. I directed I directed Chubby Checker. We did a commercial about the cruise. So I I, didn't know that. Me and my shooter Mark Walpole have to drive to Chubby Checker's house in Pennsylvania. He has an RV parked in his backyard, and we're going to do a commercial saying, "Hey, everybody, come on the Time Life Cruise, Memories Cruise." Oh, so he knew uh, you prior to that. I met him at his house. Oh, I didn't he know that. He pulls me. He goes, so you the director? Yeah, I'm the director. Pulls me in, sits me in his RV, says, um, uh, what's my motivation for this? I'm like, um, uh, it's a Time Life boat cruise. Uh, we're just trying to get everybody on. That's your motivation. So we direct the spots. Yeah, it's a silly <laughs> infomercial spot with Chubby Checker. Now, what I didn't know is Chubby would not let them use the twist. He wouldn't license the twist for the cruise they were going to do a twist contest but i didn't know this that they're not going to license the twist he can't he wouldn't let them license and he's selling at the time he was selling candy bars i forget what he called them checkers i forget what the name of the candy bar was anyway so he had a whole agenda getting on this boat so now you can tell the story and 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 we're videotaping all the concerts me and my crew are in there videotaping all the concerts beach boys Chubby, but Chubby oh, also had going behind uh, the scene. I'm getting behind the stage and in front of the stage. We're getting all kinds of stuff. And he was known for his pants. Chubby, don't right. you remember that he had to use a shoehorn or something to get into those? <laughs> if I remember right, he yeah. was a character. That yeah. So Ralph, to get some great footage, comes down to the front of the stage. Now directly in front. Now Chubby, uh, what what? Here's what I don't remember. Was he? He he responded to you and wanted you to stop filming. No, he didn't. Here's what he did. So I'm during the concert. I'm, though, in that, right? I'm in that middle aisle. Yeah, I got and the, I got the earpiece on. I'm looking up at him, and he says he's singing. And he stops, and he looks around. And he goes, "Hey, you, get out of there! What are you doing? I, I don't know if I was in shorts. I don't know why he didn't recognize. Now I'm thinking, Chubby, it's I directed you on this." Didn't care. So it's me. All I can hear is, uh, he wants him out of there. He, uh, Chubby uh, wants Ralph out of there. Ralph has been thrown out by Chubby Checker. Everybody, Ralph's been so, thrown out by Chubby Checker. So, what did Ralph do? They're all saying, what did Ralph do? So there I am walking up the aisle with my camera like, oh. Yeah, he wasn't happy. But no. what was great was I was still filming everything. So we had the footage from my camera. I, I just remember all the You have that? I haven't seen Chubby, that. Oh, yeah. Chubby's oh. pissed. Chubby's pissed. He wants Ralph out of there. Ralph's going to get kicked off the boat. What was our was line funny. we were doing? There was oh, a line uh, we had. There was something we said over the. The president's been shot. We I don't know. We like the Secret Service with those the things. I, I remember shot. I gave oh, tra- you. Uh, travelers in the building. <laughs> I don't know why I gave you the thing. I don't know what yeah. we've done. No, like, that was I, awesome. I know I why. Saw... Because you were shooting stuff for yeah. me from the audience. Right? I shot a lot of stuff. Right. Because my I just remember you. <laughs> I had all these cutaways of my family. We brought the whole family on the cruise, right? Everybody. Yeah, Mom and dad's anniversary. We had my whole family on the cruise. Every cutaway is Quattrucci. So the funniest part of that the video, uh, so I have this video that I made from all the footage that we had. Well, Ralph uh, filmed us at the very end of the cruise, the last night, where we had to talk about why we liked it. Testimonials. Com- testimonials. Well, it was, it was, uh, it was unbelievably bad. Okay, right. everyone was screwing up. My brother Steve says. Uh, it was so great to see Fats Domino, wasn't who wasn't on the cruise. On the cruise. Right. It was Chubby Checker. And then my mother and father, my, my father says, oh, this was great, and we're going to come back next year. And my mother goes, yeah, not with me. <laughs> not with me, you're not coming back. Yeah, no way. Well, we were all, I think we were all wiped out. Yeah, get that in focus. Well, well I can't. I can't fix focus. Put your hand up in front of it. Not that close. There you go. Now it'll catch you. Let go. Drop it. There you, there you go. go. Thank you. You can fix that in post. Right. Uh, it was funny though. We maybe we should show a little bit of that at the end of this. I that found, I did find the uh, testimonial videos. I forget when I was talking to G- Giselle. I think I, about your face. What the I ones started, we did? I started finding oh. those testimonials. So. They're hilarious. Well, I have the DVD too. I got on. I'll just transfer that. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Uh, but it was it was a great tip. It was just so funny. It was just funny, and it was a good time. So yeah. But that chubby checker was pissed at Ralph. That was yeah, angry. he was very angry. And like I said, he wouldn't let us use a twist. So we had to use a fake song to do a twist contest. Yeah, it was one Insane. of his other songs. I do remember that. Well, we talked about celebrities and their writers and their stuff. But anyway. Uh, it's you all, didn't ring all the bell my... for Chubby Checker. You know what? He doesn't deserve it. No, he, <laughs> no, he threw me out. Chubby, I drew... yeah, come on, man. I it's know. me. It's Ralph. Hey, wait a minute. You, uh, you did uh, 
That you did uh, meatloaf there. You sang karaoke. You did, yeah, I did. Uh, actually, dashboard lights. Actually, she did most of the singing. Oh no, you! I got you on video. Oh really? That yeah. was not good. That it was wasn't on key, but that's not the point. You were into it. I, I mean, I love it. that. You I were committed. That's just the, that song is too long to do. That was crazy. No, that was fun. I I never saw you like that. That was pretty cool. Uh, well, this is nice. This is good. So yeah. um, little little personnel personal. So these things that we're going to do will be unscripted. So each yeah. week we'll just come on, see how we feel. Um, I'd like to mostly talk about, about something. Yeah, I'd like to mostly talk about films and entertainment and yeah. more stuff. More stuff about our family. Some of the crazy stuff that we've done would be uh, nice. I, I hope, Ralph, that uh, I, I wouldn't mind bringing on the siblings, uh, if not all at once, maybe one at a time. Uh, see, see their thoughts on you know maybe they can talk about film, maybe they can talk about because uh, you know we 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 did see a lot of movies, uh, drive-in movies as kids. Yeah, uh, it might be interesting. I don't. You know remember the first? I can remember the first movie Mom took me to. Uh, Stoughton the one Theater. I, what? Which theater? Stoughton. Stoughton downtown Stoughton Theater. Was it Sound of Music? Nope. Oliver. Oliver. That's the one I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Big intermission. I remember there was an intermission in that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, uh, I don't remember. The only movies I remember mom and dad going to see, the only one I can remember was The Godfather. I can remember them coming mom home. Mom and dad took you to The Godfather? No, didn't take me. I'm saying oh. that they came back and said, we just saw this great movie called The Godfather. Uh, yeah, they didn't go to movies a lot. They didn't. No. They um, didn't. No, but they used to take us. And we didn't go. We went to the drive-in a lot. Yeah. But I don't remember going to a lot of movies with them in the movie theater. No, no, we did. We went a lot. But, you know, back then, 10 years old, you're walking to the movie theater. No, we, we were. You don't do that always now. At the theater. No, no. Yeah. We were always there. Yeah. In fact, always the first, first rated R movie I ever saw was uh, Blazing Saddles. Hmm. And Mary Jo Stack was working the booth and let me in because I wasn't old enough. And she said to the manager, let him in. Now, we think about that movie. That's rated R, that movie. Yeah, but you know what I saw? What? first rated R movie was Clute. Oh. How at old the you saw that? I must have been, I think, the, like told you, I think I went with the Flaherty's. Pat? <laughs> Might have been. I'm just saying, I saw Clute. And I, I was way too young to see Clute because wow. it has, that definitely no. affected me. That affected me. It's, no. it's, it's a lot of, yeah, it's, that's not a movie I should have seen. But great film. Now I really like it. But yeah, no, mom and dad didn't really do that. No. I mean, we would do, they'd have parties in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wasn't, listen, I'm not, I, in no way am I saying we missed out because our folks. No, 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 no. That's not don't the point. Get that the point is. We did a lot. Yeah. I mean, we, my father, uh, my father used to have an eight millimeter projector. He used to drop, he used to drop a sheet on the bay window. We would go outside with the projector. He'd make popcorn in a big, uh, 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 a supermarket paper bag filled right. with popcorn and we'd watch like it was a drive-in in our front right. yard. I mean, yeah, that's like, that was, a, I, that memory is etched in my brain. Oh, dad and mom both are definitely the reasons that we're all doing what, I mean, all of us, you break it down with Steve went into the business with dad. Yeah. Marie and Patty, everybody were all definitely affected by mom and dad. Yeah. Dad specifically directed me when I was at that point of what am I going to do? He sent me in a direction. That well, here the I three am. of and, us. And to be fair, every Time Life show, any Time Life collection I ever did, Dad bought. Because I went back there and I got that CD player. And I can't get over the amount of stuff, that, the crap that he bought that we were selling. And I'm oh, not yeah. saying crap. I love the stuff we sold. I'm not putting it down at all. He bought every one of them, whether it was Ultimate Love Songs, Urban Country, whatever I did. He bought. Well, they were, they were funny because, like, Dad, uh, when I tried out for Fiddler on the Roof, I told Dad, uh, Dad, I'm trying out for Fiddler on the Roof, and I'm going for the lead. He goes, that's good. Who's the, uh, do you know who the lead is? I go, yeah, it's the Fiddler. And he laughed. He goes, it's not the Fiddler. I go, Dad, the show is called Fiddler on the Roof. Of course it's the Fiddler. He goes, no, it's Tevya. So then I figured it out, okay? But, but then Ma, and I used to get a lot of the leads. I just did. And she always said to me, you know, John, you're not always going to get the lead. You're not always, so you got to be prepared for that. And she was right. One show that I really thought I would get the lead in, uh, I ended up not. And I got a, I got a small role. I love doing it, but it was, it was very humbling for me, wow. but she was always like that where dad was the opposite. Dad was like, you had to go after it. Uh, you know, they came to every show, you know, it was a big deal. So yeah, I mean, they, they were great. And, and like you and I, 
with between photography and, and videography, that's dad. I mean, dad recorded everything. We oh, yeah, have we got, videos yeah, we of got, a camcorder plunked at the Thanksgiving table eight right. hours. Okay. Long before social media. All it is is just popular. eating. Right. The Pepsi bottle, you know, you see it go down. But that's, you know, that's 1980 when no one had VCRs and he did it. Well, if you remember, they almost got divorced. When he came home no with mo- that VCR from Leechmia. Leechmia. No, no. Leechmia. Oh, don't worry. I put no, it on credit. It was RCA. RCA, the local RCA store. No, it was Leechmere. The camcorder was? <laughs> yeah. And he put it on credit and, oh, my God. And they didn't have a lot of money back I then. actually have that camera here, I think. Yeah, I, I had that. Had I it. carried that deck with me in San Francisco going up and down the hills with a split focus. It didn't even have a monitor. Awful. Awful. How we got anything done? Um Anyway, this anyway is, that's, sure, our, that's our little history. Now we've bored everybody with that. That's right. Story. That's our little history. I'm sure but, everybody uh, has great stories about their family. But yeah, it's our but podcast, it's nice. so we can talk about what we want. And well, it's nice because I found out some stuff about you I didn't know. I mean, I mean, that's I, I think that's pretty amazing after all these years. So, but anyway, so we're going to do this again, uh, more than likely next week. And um, I hope you like it. And it, obviously, if you do, subscribe, hit the notification button, hit a like, and right. and share it. You know. We got a lot of friends out there. Share it. It really does help uh, with the platform. So we appreciate it. And, uh, and also, please tune in to Yippie Kai Mother podcast. Yeah. We're doing, we're doing a lot of good films lately. And uh, uh, getting, what's, getting the, what's the incredibly great film we're doing next week? Uh, we're doing uh, 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 Only the Greatest the Movie Musical of All Time. Okay. Singing in the Rain is the overlap me. Why don't you yeah, say I, it with a I, smile I on your face? Because once you watch it, it's going to make you smile. I can't wait do, to see do, it. Do, Honestly. Do, 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 I can't do, wait to see do, it. Do, 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 do. Well, I oh, that's from uh, Clockwork Orange. You're doing Clockwork Orange right there. Singing that's, in the Rain. That's sacrilege. Right. All right. Very, so uh, what's the name of the show again? Uh, cue it up. With the, with the Q brothers. With the Q brothers. And maybe so we'll until, drop in a Q sister and another Q brother. We might Q be the family. four Qs at one point. <laughs> there might be four if, of us. If we're lucky. So we're lucky. we'll see you next week. All Everyone right. stay safe and have a great week. Stay safe. You too.